0: So we're in the series, Christmas and the cross, and without Christmas, there's no cross. And how I would hope and pray that for those of us who are here, we can see very clearly that God in his incredible plan of creation and redemption, that all this has been laid out in such an incredible way that he gets the glory, he gets the praise, and he gets us. And how wonderful that is that that's the case. And last week, we talked about the fact that he loves us, that that's an important aspect of Christmas, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And one of the tools that we gave you for those who are interested at the end of the service were these prayer guides. There's some here on the uh, pulpit today on the stage. And these are praying for people who don't know Christ. And what is the greatest gift that anyone can possibly give during the Christmas season is sharing the reality through Christ and praying for someone so they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so all that is part of what God is doing so last week the love of God and how amazing that is and how beyond our comprehension that is so this week as we think of more of the cross because of the uh, res- excuse me the birth of Christ it's the peace and the joy. As I thought about that, and of course, it's, it's easy to find Scripture. I mean, like, I could have inundated you guys with Scripture from now to the rest of the day about what it means to have peace and joy. Let's look at a few of those, and then I want to give us uh, some application that we can take away. And by the way... Uh, the youth singing this morning, in case you're wondering, if God is letting up, providing for us incredible musicians, that's kind of the answer to what he's doing. We're always amazed, at least I am, of how God blesses us with such gifted and such amazing people, instrumentally and vocally, and to see our kids as they're rising up and stepping into those roles, what a great blessing that is. What a It really is a joy, I hope you're capturing that in your hearts. Just like I am so peace what is peace it is not your emotion just so you know God gave us emotions they're not a bad thing but those emotions given to us by God were never intended to run the show that's not how we make our decisions that's not how we do life But in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because of his birth and because of what he has done in his death and resurrection, we have this peace, Paul coins it like this, that passes all the understanding. Because we have what? The Prince of Peace. Now capture that just for a second. Living in your life and my life is the Prince of Peace. And how do we, how we do in life? In his peace. And just like you're going to see with joy, peace and joy are not based upon circumstances. They really aren't. Now, we tend to do that. I'm not saying, again, God gave us emotions, so I'm not saying just shut your emotions down you have no emotions. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that God gave us these incredible emotions, but they're all to be governed by the work that he has provided for us and done for us through his death, burial, resurrection, and then the Holy Spirit working in us every day. For a child will be born to us, a a son will be given And the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Next Sunday on Christmas Eve, I plan to share all these names of Christ. Because every one of them has meaning that makes a difference in our understanding of who he is and what he has done for us. But he's the Prince of Peace. So every morning that you and I get up, those of us who know Christ, we get up in the morning and we say, living in me, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is the Prince of Peace. And so I have peace. You say, wait a minute, my my world is kind of in turmoil. In in fact, our world is in turmoil for sure. And maybe your personal world might be as well. But yet, in the midst of that, we can go back to Acts, where Paul and Silas were arrested. They They were beaten, placed in prison. And they're in such a place of peace that they're inside the prison in stocks and they're singing praise to God. I find that a little interesting because we do so much counseling with people that our circumstances typically are not that bad. Please, I'm not minimizing the loss of loved ones. I know we've, we've seen people go through terrible, terrible things. But the truth is, the Prince of Peace lives in my life and your life. This verse in John 14. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's instructing his disciples. He's helping them understand what is going to happen, at least as best as he can, as far as they can understand at this particular juncture. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He knows what are getting ready to walk through. He knows their circumstances. He knows that they're going to lose his physical presence. And all that being said, he said, but the peace I give you is a peace that is different from the world's. It's just just different. It absolutely is mind-boggling that in the midst of difficulty, trial, and circumstances beyond our belief, you find persons who are walking this out in such a way. The missionary mom The family is under attack in a foreign country. And the little girl, about nine years old, says, Mom, are we going to die? Are we going to be killed? And the mom says, Well, darling, the truth is, I don't know. But the real truth is, whether we live or die, God has us. Is that not how our peace is? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He is the prince of peace and he gives us his peace. Therefore, having having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's that's the kicker right there. That's the the key, as it were, to the whole thing. If we do not have this relationship with God that has been bought for us by the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we do not have that relationship, that's why our world will get turned upside down, inside out, and it'll be such a train wreck, and we'll be all over the board. But because of the work of God, because of what God has done, because of what God continues to do, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through, 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 through. Get that? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this incredible, this incredible, this amazing, amazing, amazing peace. And I would love to put some verbiage to it today and tell you, well, this is exactly what it is. But all I can tell you is this. In my own personal life and walk with him for over 50 years now. I've watched as I have worried about things, fretted about things. And yet, the Holy Spirit of God will be at work in me all the time, drawing me closer and closer, helping me, enabling me, empowering me to relinquish those things that have taken my peace, whatever they may be. And at the end of the service today, I'm going to get a little more specific about that to help, hopefully, with each of us as we walk through this Christmas season. But this peace that, with all going on around us, and we have this incredible, incredible calm that is indescribable, humanly speaking. And that's a gift. It's a gift from God. And then is joy. What is this joy? One author says it's that supernatural underlying current in your life, again, that is not based upon circumstances or situations. God has called us, created us first of all, spirit, soul, and body. And called us to live. Yes, we're still in this world. But we're because of him of another world. And that's why we can have peace and joy in the most turbulent times. Look at what the word says. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. who's talking? Jesus. Who's he talking to? Us. What is he saying? I have joy. I give you my joy. Let it be full. And please understand that when Jesus was teaching, when he was on the earth in human form and teaching, he was under opposition and pressure and stresses all the time. It wasn't like, oh, it's just such a great, great time. Everybody loves me. You know, I'm Jesus, remember? Oh, it was quite the very opposite. Yes, there were those who loved him. Yes, there were those who were devoted to following him and obeying his word. But for the most part, it was opposition. It was difficulty. It was trial. His priestly prayer. You got to love the prayer of Jesus. This is eternal life that you may know, excuse me, that they may know you, the only true God, and that Jesus Christ whom you have sent. How will they know him unless they know him through us? And we're not talking about being here on Sunday morning. I hope you're being nice to each other here this morning. How are you so far? You know, nobody's done anything really oh, brash or ridiculous. But this is at home with our mates, with our children, with our grandchildren, in those family relationships. This is us in the absolute joy of God in our work. Then he said to them, This is DMI, go and eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved. I couldn't tell you how many times I've quoted the scripture. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why that's true? Because our focus and our attention is on him, not on the circumstances, not on the situation. Not on those people who are giving us such a hard time. It's a hurtful world. It shouldn't be for us as Christians, but it is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So, a little tidbit from my past. Military service complete. I go to college. I finish college. I'm in graduate school. Went to Columbia Bible College grad school, and these folks love God. The first time I walked on that campus, I said, oh, this is the place I know God wants me to be, and it was. But with all that said, they had some really Mickey Mouse rules. I've done my military time. I'm married, I have a family, at least one child at the time. I'm pastoring a church. I'm driving a hundred miles one way to get to an eight o'clock class, leaving at five a.m. in the morning, and they got these Mickey Mouse rules. One of them was they gave you a student manual that you're supposed to read. And you have to sign that you read it and turn it in to the dean of men. I didn't have time to read their silly little manual. So I lied. I signed it, turned it in. Now, it'd be nice if that was the end of the story, but man, the Holy Spirit just has a way of bringing conviction. Have you learned that in your life yet? If you have not, I pray to God that you do. I turned it in that day. That night, I'm in my little study working, and the Spirit of God brings conviction that I have just lied to the dean of men at Columbia Bible College. To the point that I eventually ended up on the floor, and like David, not, in the, not for the same reason, in Psalms 51, my bones were aching from the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon my life. The next day I went to school. I went directly to the dean of men's office. I asked if I could see him. He said that I could. I went in and I confessed my sin. Now you realize this guy has the authority to throw me out of school when they're all about integrity and character, which is a really good thing. But instead he did something that I've never forgotten and has allowed me to do, I think, grace in so many circumstances. As I confessed my sin, knowing that he had the authority right then to say, Steve, then you're done here. Your days at Columbia Bible College are finished. You can go home now instead he said Steve first of all as the dean of men I forgive you for your sin against me of lying on this document but now I want us to pray together get down on our knees in his office and we start praying and I'm praying confessing my sin and repenting and the things that, that I know to do at that time in my spiritual walk and then he prays And this is what he prayed for Steve Bishop that day. Lord, as Steve has confessed and repented, please give to him, return to him, the joy of your salvation. We got up, we shook hands. Still not the end of the story. For the rest of my time at Columbia Bamba College, no matter where I saw the Dean of Men, he would make a point to come to me, greet me with a greeting that was so real and so true that I knew that I had true forgiveness. And by his maturity and his gracious prayer, God had returned to me the joy of his salvation and it had become my strength and for that I'm eternally grateful God has a way folks if we'll let him of teaching us some things so now let's combine them to the joy and peace together again no lack of scripture for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself see if we live with this life of peace and joy it also involves other people And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us have the capacity to do what we're talking about today if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have his place in our lives. And in that place, he fills us and manifests his fruit And because he does, this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. So as we're relating to our family, this is what's supposed to be there because the Holy Spirit lives in us. As we're relating to those people who are being unkind and difficult with us, this is what's in us, and this is what's supposed to be expressed, again, only through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So we have this peace and joy. I'm going to give you a scripture I didn't put up there, but I hope this will help. You see, this morning as I stand up here, and I know we don't have a huge crowd of people, but we have a few of us here today. Some of you that I'm looking at are in prison. How can that be? I'm here. I'm free. Well, you're in prison because you have allowed someone to steal your peace and your joy. And your focus and your attention, rather than being on God, as it ought to be, has been on them are the circumstances related to them. So let me read a portion from Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse 14. Please listen carefully and prayerfully. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. What do you think that means? That means that we live in a hurtful world. People have are, will hurt us. And we should have determined in advance how we will respond to what those circumstances or events might be. By what? Knowing that whoever they are and whatever they do, I will bless them. And this says persecute. This means people are really intent to hurt us and to bring damage to our lives. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Verse 16 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. Anybody here haughty? You know what it says in Proverbs? Pride goes before the fall. But associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You know what that's saying? Don't think more of yourself than you ought to. We can do that sometimes, you know. Listen to verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Verse 18 is my focus verse from this portion of Scripture. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Well, how is that possible? <laughs> It's possible because we have, as we've already talked about this morning, his peace and his joy in us, and we have that in the person, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So whatever might happen, whoever it might be, and whatever they might do, typically through words, now those verbalized and those posted on social media, we're the ones who make the difference we're the ones who take the high road we're the ones who demonstrate to our world this is what Christ in me does this is why I can respond as I do to my circumstances and to those things that have happened to me and no longer do I have to be a prisoner to somebody else what do I do? I forgive them forgive them remember Jesus on the cross we've covered this a couple thousand times probably in the last 40 something years the ones who accused him those who arrested him those who beat him those who nailed him to the cross father forgive them they do not know what they've done I, I would. <laughs> I haven't kept count, but I have shared that truth with many, many people over the years. And when I get to that point, the response tends to be, "Oh, yes, they do. They do what they did." No, they don't. I didn't say they were not. They were oblivious to all that they've said and the things they may have done or not done. But they do not understand the depth of what that means when you are offensive to someone else. Because if you're here today and you're the offending party, it's time for you to make amends and to do things right. So just very carefully, very prayerfully, if possible, as far as it depends on you, you know, don't. Your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your friend. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You say, well, I'm liking this scripture already. Well, there's a difference when there's a haughty heart and a heart of humility and how we do life. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him to drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. I can't tell you how many people read that and misunderstood what that means. What that means. Oh, <laughs> I like it. I can get some hot coals and put on his head light him up hallelujah the problem is that's not what the scripture means remember this scripture in the context says we're to bless them and help them so in that particular day in the culture they lived in one of the big things was the fire in your home because the fire was what provided the food to be cooked and heat to be provided So when someone's fire went out, that was bad news. So what they would do if their fire went out is put their little fire pot on their head and they would start walking through town and somebody, a good, kind person would take a scoop of hot coals and put it in their fire pot so they could go home and have food and have heat. It wasn't like some of us like to think that it is. Oh, I can hurt them now. And it's in the Bible too. Hallelujah. Illustrations: this. As someone has said, the church is like the ark. The ark of Noah. If you have not had the ark experience of going to Lexing- Lexington, Kentucky and walking through the ark that is built on the scale, I would truly, I know many of you have, I would encourage you to do that because the awesomeness of what God did and the uh, building of that through Noah and his family is amazing as you see the scale of that. But the ark, excuse me, the church is like the ark. It's kind of stinky on the inside. Remember they had a few animals on the ark. You get it? Can you imagine elephant dung? It's kind of stinky on the inside. But you can live with the stink because you know the storm on the outside is way worse. Now, is that an excuse for us to be stinky? No, it's not. But it helps us maybe prayerfully understand the reality that everybody is not always as kind, not always as demonstrating the fullness of the Spirit as they ought to be. And as a result, we can show kindness and love to them. Now again, that doesn't give permission to be the stinky person. But it does prayerfully help us to understand, I don't have to be somebody's prisoner. I've watched and had the joy of seeing so many people over the years set free as they have forgiven those who have done them wrong. So here we are in the Christmas season, and I would love for all of you to experience the great peace and joy that is ours in Christ. But if you're sitting here and you're harboring ill will towards someone else, that's going to be a little hard to do. doesn't have to be that way. In fact, God's preference is that it isn't that way. That's hopefully very clear in the scripture. So today, today, as we celebrate the advent of Christ, his coming, the meaning of God's incredible redemptive work and how that applies to my life personally, Then let me be one who sets not only myself free, but others as well. And sometimes we're the ones that we won't forgive. In fact, we're the hardest people to forgive because we blame ourselves so terribly. Again, it's not making light of sin. That's not it. It's acknowledging the fact that we're wrong. God is right, and he's made a provision for it to be taken care of. And that is through the death and resurrection of his son. But that can only happen and could only happen because of the birth that we celebrate in this season. So you were able to enjoy some of our youth as they shared in music earlier. And now our praise team is going to come. I'm going to ask all of you to stand and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit during this time of worship that he, the Holy Spirit is able to do in each of us all that Father God desires to be done, all that he says is to be done according to the scripture, according to his word, and how that will make a total difference in how we celebrate this incredible, incredible event called Christmas, the coming of Christ into this world. Join me in prayer, please. Father God, Father, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your love is amazing and so divine. So full and so meaningful, so transformational in our lives. And thank you now that those of us who are here that may have entered this building as a prisoner of unforgiveness or bitterness or anxiety. That this day, you Holy Spirit, having the freedom of the Father, of bringing the kingdom and the will that Father has for us right here, right now. And Lord, we bow to you and we choose to honor you and exalt you, Lord Christ, as our King of kings and our Lord of lords. You are, you are the Prince of Peace. We celebrate your presence, your work, your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.